Nigel Farage, uh, formerly with the EU. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good morning. Yes, I was made redundant yes. at, at 11 o'clock yeah. last Friday <laughs> evening. Uh, I was the turkey that kept on voting for Christmas. Right, yeah. So I'm unemployed. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's really great. great. <laughs> yeah. So your speech last week was absolutely tremendous. Uh, it, uh, I have likened it to a shot heard around the world. Um, it, all of our um, governments, it seems, in the West have this flu this pandemic of not listening to the people mm. the people will vote the people will speak they'll get in the politicians will say one thing but they'll do another you guys actually broke the back of two systems the corrupt system in england that was all the politicians that were just playing that game and the eu yes i mean firstly you know if you look at I can take broadcasting for argument's sake. The dominance of the BBC, mm. our state broadcaster, which we have to pay £150 every year to have, uh, and they were, they've always been wall-to-wall pro the globalist yeah, yeah, project. Yeah. Um, and as you say, literally a handful of exceptions in the whole of the House of Commons in Westminster, they were all pro-EU. Uh, it kind of makes the referendum result in 2016 almost a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, because those Cause we us, don't we don't understand this here in America. Um, you know, we're talking about Rush Limbaugh yes. uh, now being very yes, ill, heard, yeah. and you don't have that. You don't have talk radio. You you can't say the things that I can say. So there's there's no rallying uh, cry except that individual voice that happens to break through. And somebody covers. Yeah, I mean, for me, what made it for me was my speeches in the EU Parliament 10 years ago. And sure, the BBC wouldn't cover anything I ever said or did, but YouTube came along. Yeah. So suddenly, suddenly, I was doing stuff and saying stuff and beginning to reach big audiences through YouTube. And, you know, once you've got several million views, then the BBC are kind of forced to give you a platform of some kind. So that, for me, was what made it. We would never, ever have achieved Brexit if it hadn't been for the growth of the internet. Um, and we, you know, we won that referendum, but it's taken us three and a half years to get delivery on it because we've had former prime ministers, we've had businesses, politicians, literally saying that the result wasn't valid, that the Russians interfered or we hypnotised right, everybody. Right, or, right. But in the end, we got there. And I tell you what is significant. I was talking yesterday to Tony Abbott, the former Australian prime minister, and a big political thinker. And he says Brexit is the biggest geopolitical change since the fall of the Berlin Wall. Agreed. And I think we've dealt an absolutely fatal hammer blow to the globalist project. And I, you know, I've always wanted my country to be outside the EU because I think we should be an independent self-governing democracy. But uh, I'm not finished yet because I want to bring down the entire EU project. So now here's the here's the issue. Um, We're seeing this with with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a hand grenade. You're a hand grenade. Mm. Um, And that hand grenade goes off. And it's not like nobody in the media in Great Britain, nobody in the EU, correct me if I'm wrong, is is going to take the time to go, you know what? I mean, England, they were such good partners. We lost them. What were we doing wrong? They're not doing that. 
They're no. they're doubling down. In fact, yeah, their conclusion and, and that debate that I was in last week that you talked about and, until they kicked me out. Yeah, uh, but I've been kicked out of better places right. than that. It's fine. <laughs> right. uh, but it was interesting in that debate. Speakers were saying, "Well, with Brexit, you know, what do we do to stop other countries leaving?" And their conclusion is more centralization. Their conclusion is more bureaucracy. They just don't get it. They're not listening to ordinary folk. And I tell you something, you know, we could go right now into outside Paris, into rural France, and we would have a conversation with French people very much along the lines that you and I mm-hmm. are now. Mm-hmm. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, people want to live in a nation state. They want to have a flag. They want to have an identity. They've got their own you know, culture. And, and I'm all for, you know, Europe where we cooperate with each other, we're friendly with each other, we're next-door neighbours with each other. But the idea that we're going to abolish the great ancient states of Europe and hand all this power to these people in Brussels, it's never, ever going to work. And uh, the, sooner it's, the, the, the sooner it's ended, the better. So how do you get the elites... I mean, uh, you know, this is this is why there are revolutions and mm. why France had guillotines, mm-hmm. because... They just don't get it. They think they're above you. Um, nothing's going to change their minds. The people are revolting. Yes, they are. Very aren't they? They're yes, very course, revolting. Absolutely. Repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. They're deplorable. Um, and so, how do you how how do you see this continuing without real revolution? Well. It's very interesting that the British have been through a revolution, but, but, but it's been a relatively peaceful, very peaceful revolution. For nearly half a century, the Conservative Party were the key proponents and supporters of the European project, despite the fact their voters weren't, mm-hmm. but they were. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. I came along and challenged you know, their assumptions. I, I mean, the reason David Cameron offered us a referendum was I was eating into his vote in a very dramatic way. Uh, then last year... Then last year, over three years, no Brexit, a weak Prime Minister of Mrs May, and we had to fight a European election. And I I formed a brand new party, the Brexit Party. We won the election. The Conservative Party got less than 10% of the vote in a national election. And they looked into the mirror and they said, either we become Nigel Farage or we're finished. So what's happened is the Conservative Party are now saying all of the right things, and that's that's the shape of the revolution. Well... Because that's, that's, well, well, that's what well, we have. Well, They'll say well, well, a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're saying the right things. But actually, do you know what? I think there is a fundamental sea change has now occurred in British politics. I think they realize that if they try to betray the promises they've made again, they are electorally going to be finished. So I think, I think we've got this to the right place now. And, and, and even, even Tony Blair, you know, who is a, a ghastly globalist, even Tony Blair said on Friday, look, we have to accept it and try and make the best yeah, of it. Yeah, well, Bill Clinton also said the era of big government is over, yeah, you know, well, in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, they, maybe I'm being too trusting. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but hey, look, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking to you in the sort of uh, still euphoria yeah, yeah, yeah. of being in Parliament Square so why on Friday is, night. For people who don't understand, why is, uh, why is the EU so evil? Why is it so bad? It's the globalist project, all right? The EU is the epicenter of the globalist project, and there are many in America, in the Democrats, who, who of course, I mean, had Hillary won last time. Mm-hmm. She was all for tying America closely into the European mm-hmm. single market. What it's about, it's about literally the abolition of nation-state democracies, 
and its replacement with supranational government, government at a, at a higher level, where the big decisions are made by people that you can't vote for and you can't remove. And guess who supports this? The giant multinational businesses. They love it, because the more bureaucratic, the more rules and regulations, the harder it is for small and medium-sized competitors to come along. So it's kind of what the EU has done, it's destroyed capitalism. It's replaced it with this new form of corporatism, where big business, big banks, big politics operate hand in glove to their own benefit and to the distress of virtually everybody else. And they've, they've kind of, they've virtually purchased the political class across Europe. But I think now, now that Brexit's happened, and sure there are more debates to be had about the shape of trade deals and whatever, <clears throat> but I now think there's going to be a conversation happening in every European country. Yeah. You know, why did the British leave? And once, once they understand the logic of that position, um, I think we can get back to the nation state, uh, you know, being the building block. So do you see anybody on, in the media or in politics that is starting to wake up anywhere? Well, I think the Italians. I mean, you know, the Italians, are, it, I mean, they're, of course, quite a volatile people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just don't I, get them together I, with I, the Germans. I mean, I love them, but, they're <laughs> right. but I think, you know, Italy was taken into a currency called the euro mm -hmm. 20 years ago it's basically the deutsche mark mm -hmm. you know yeah. i mean this is a german currency right. Right. it hasn't suited italy you've got a country there now where there's been zero growth for 20 years i mean whole parts of the north of italy which in the 1990s when i was in business i would visit and they were vibrant manufacturing cities it's gone it's dead and i think there comes a point where the Italians, and they're beginning to have this conversation. There's a, there's a guy called Matteo Salvini, you know, who's a very prominent politician in Italy. And I think there comes a point where the Italians say, Do you know what, this is, this is hurting us. We can't go on with this. You've got countries like Poland and Hungary, <coughs> countries who only 30 years ago got out from the Soviet Union, yeah. got out from Moscow telling right. them what they couldn't. And now what have they got? They've now got Brussels telling them what they can and can't do. Uh, you know, and, and, and just think of it. I mean, how can Germany and Greece be in the same country together? They're right. culturally so far apart. And I, you know, I'm not anti-European. I love Europe. I love the diversity of Europe, you know, the, the mix of all the but different cultures. But that's what they're getting rid of, but is they're the trying, diversity. But they're trying to homogenize us. Yes. They're trying to harmonize us. They're trying to pasteurize us. They're, you know, they're trying to create a new European people. And that's why they've got a flag. It's why they've got an anthem. It's why they want an army. And, and, and there are many. There are many, particularly sort of Trotskyites, who see the European Union as being the, as being the prototype for one global government. That's what the globalist project's all about. And I, and, I, and I do believe that Brexit is the first real kickback against it, and it's the beginning of the end. All right, so I want to talk about that globally here with Nigel Farage. Uh, some more here in one minute. Stand by. Give me 60 seconds. So you guys go through uh, prime ministers like I go through Cinnabons. I mean, it's ridiculous how how often you seem to be going through them. It didn't used to be like that, but that is what that is what the European debate has done. I mean, I mean, arguably, I've personally got rid of two prime ministers. <laughs> I mean, Mrs. May resigned last year, the day after the European elections. Mm -hmm. You know, because we'd smashed her. Mm -hmm. She went, mm -hmm. and Cameron resigned because I forced him to call a referendum, mm -hmm. which he lost. So yeah, it's been a. I mean, we have had. 
In five years in the UK, we've had a major national referendum and three general elections. Nothing like it has ever been seen before. And the reason is this. The referendum, we were promised, however we voted, it would be delivered. The will of the people would be respected. But was it hell? <laughs> was it hell? And mm -hmm. what you've seen, basically, is the establishment trying their best not to deliver Brexit, mm -hmm. but then in the end being forced to do so. So you get rid of the prime ministers, but you you also got rid of one of my favorite guys, the guy who was just like, order, order. Who was that guy? He was great. Yeah, thank goodness he's gone. Uh, <laughs> he, he may have been entertaining to yeah. an American public. No, to but, Americans, but, that but, was great. But believe you me, he was using every trick in the book to try and stop Brexit from happening. So, What was his role? Well, the Speaker of the Parliament, I mean, he has the casting vote if, 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 mm -hmm. if there was a tie. His job is to decide what the order of business. Okay, so the, it's like our Speaker of the House. Absolutely. Yeah, and, okay. and, but, but, but normally, legislation can only be tabled by the government. But he allowed just backbench members of Parliament to table legislation, all of it designed to stop Brexit from happening mm. and to force us into having a second referendum. So, so what I'm, was it? I'm very pleased he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> what was it like uh, uh, at 11 o'clock last Friday. Just amazing. I was in, I'd booked Parliament Square for the event. We had 100,000 people come, um, despite the fact it was late at night. Uh, they'd all dressed up. I think every eccentric in England had turned up. Uh, people dressed up as Winston Churchill and Union uh, Jack flags. And uh, and yeah, we had the big countdown and suddenly 11 o'clock was there. And, and for me, I mean, this has been 27 years. I've campaigned for this for 27 years, over 20 years in the EU Parliament. Uh, and it was just uh, the most extraordinary feeling. And, and whilst there is still work to do, we've broken the back of this. We've passed the point of no return. We are never going back into that globalist mm -hmm. project. So, yeah, euphoria. Um, I have to say euphoria. And from those on the other side of the argument, uh, most of them actually accept now that it's happened, finally, mm -hmm. three and a half years on. Well, we have three and a half years with Donald Trump, and half the country doesn't accept it just will not accept it. But it's the same game. Yeah, it's it the is. same game. I mean, what you've had here since Trump was elected is the attempt to delegitimize the election of the president. You know, mm -hmm. again, you've had the same Russian conspiracy theories mm -hmm. and all the mm -hmm. rest of it. Um, and, and yeah, some who simply cannot accept Trump as a human being. We've had the same with Brexit. But I think now, now, those that now think, oh gosh, we should rejoin the European Union, will begin to look like members of the Flat Earth Society. Mm. So I, I, I think we're through the worst of it now, but it took a long time. So uh, Boris Johnson mm. compared a lot to Donald Trump. Tell me the difference. Oh, look, Boris is a metro liberal. I mean, he is very much on the left of the British Conservative Party. In the past, he's talked about huge amnesties for illegal immigrants. I mean, Boris is not Donald Trump. But Boris... Whether through conviction or whether through opportunism, I don't know. But Boris came down in 16, when the referendum was coming down Matraxidus, Boris decided to join the Leave campaign. And it was very, very important that he did. You know, he, you know he's got a constituency of people that mm -hmm. support him. He's also rather good fun, which, which not enough politicians are. And Boris now is utterly committed. You know, he's promised the British people... He's going to deliver a, pro you know, a proper break from the European Union. And if he doesn't deliver it, 
his reputation will fall off a cliff in the same way that Theresa May's did. So, as I say, whether it's through conviction, whether it's through political pragmatism, he is now utterly committed to this. And, hey, we've got a prime minister saying the right thing. So let me just stir this up a bit because uh, the guy who um, is, is my right hand is from Scotland mm-hmm. uh, and proudly Scottish. And... Uh, Let's just say the queen isn't necessarily, the royal family, not necessarily his favorite thing. And they've been trying to break free forever from. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it's, <laughs> this is all false. This is all false. Is um, it? I've got to mind my language here. <laughs> this is, look, look, the Scottish National Party mm. say. Swept. Say we should, we should leave the United Kingdom. Right. But join the European Union. That's not independence. You can't be an independent country if you govern from Brussels. It's a totally false prospectus. <laughs> and I tell you what, the one thing Boris needs to do, if he gets back our fishing rights and gives Scotland 200 miles of the North Sea that's theirs, it'll be the end of a separatist argument. That'd be great. That'd be great. Are you going to the State of the Union tonight? Yes, I no. certainly am. Oh, good. To I will see you Splendid. there in, in, the, uh, in the House chamber. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nigel Farage. Um, Former member of the EU Parliament. Back in just a minute. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is the day after... You remember that special, the nuclear holocaust the day after? Yeah, it's like that, except this is for democratic politics. Um, (laughs) Iowa is an absolute mess. Meanwhile, in the closing arguments uh, yesterday from Adam Schiff, listen to what he had to say about Donald Trump. We must say enough. Enough. He has betrayed our national security and he will do so again. He has compromised our elections, and he will do so again. You will not change him. You cannot constrain him. He is who he is. Truth matters little to him. What's right matters even less, and decency matters not at all. I do not ask you to convict him because truth or right or decency matters nothing to him, but because we have proven our case and it matters to you. Truth matters to you. Right matters to you. Does it? Uh, Because a lot of those people are saying that men can have babies. So I'm not sure (laughs) that they're the ones to uh, go to the truth on. Um, But notice he just threw in that he's going to cheat in the next election. I love that. He's going to cheat in the next election. What evidence do you have to say that? And by the way, with Iowa going on, you might want to not use that (laughs) right now. It really is a central part of their argument, which is we say we caught him before. And even he's doing it now. Yeah, he's doing it now. The reason why we can't just let people vote is because we know he's going to screw with this next election. Right. With it, which is just a guess. They're just saying it because they think he'll it's like convincing you. We we caught him once. That must mean he's doing it all the time. Now, first of all, you didn't catch him. And if you caught him with a big enough example, you could throw him out based on that. You know what they're saying is we know this isn't a big enough example. But believe me, if we caught him with this one, he's doing five more that are worse. And we don't know what they are, but you better throw him out before we find out. You know what's really frightening is that they have proven every step of the way in the last four years that whatever they accuse him of, 
they're they're doing. guilty of yeah mm-hmm. and the way they've gone off on he's going to cheat in the election he's going to cheat in the election he's going to manipulate the election are they I mean, and how ridiculous is it? This is a, a party who, at the time they're making this argument, has a two-month, two-month-old app that has never been tested at the state level, given to them by a company called Shadow Inc. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, the name of the company no, is no. Shadow Inc. And uh, we're supposed to be trusting them with our electoral future. That is a fascinating L- moment. Let me go to Kevin Ryan. Uh, Kevin is one of our writers, and... Uh, He's been out in Iowa. Kevin, what did you see last night? Uh, boy, talk about an embarrassing situation, by the way. Um, it was, uh, it was a, a fascinating night. I started at the Klobuchar uh, event. It was supposed to be a celebration party. It was pretty somber when I first got there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she popped out. She came out first, as you guys know, and she was very yeah. happy. <laughs> she was so, like surprisingly happy. Um, and then uh, not too You definitely get the sense that these candidates her. have a good – you get the sense these candidates do have a, a clear picture of what they think happened in Iowa. You notice Klobuchar Definitely. was pretty happy. Um, you notice yep. Biden was really sad. You notice Buttigieg yep. was was pretty happy. Uh, I think they definitely have enough information yes. to get an indication as to where they stand, but yes. we still don't know where these you know the delegates actually land. I uh, I went to the Bernie uh, the Bernie Watch Party after uh, Klobuchar, so I got there right as he was speaking, and it it was very somber because there was very much like. It, there had been a lot of chatter that okay, this is this is Bernie's, and then uh, you know Pete's going to be in right behind him. And but yeah, Biden was just completely, from what we understand, completely decimated in the whole thing. Like yeah, I mean, they, they with, had there's a several uh, several reports uh, did the the thing where they went to an individual precinct and tried to line up, and and just getting Biden to 15 percent to be a viable candidate was a huge problem. They couldn't get people over to the Biden side, so they were all distributing to Buttigieg and Klobuchar afterwards, and that's why they think, you know, this is the way this is going to turn out. I mean, it looks like this is a great help probably to Biden, because I don't think the narrative coming out of Iowa is going to be all that positive for him. No, not at all. I, I spoke to some, some caucusers for, uh, from, from all the candidates. But uh, specifically the ones for Biden, uh, they were pretty happy. They, they said, okay, this is a good result for us. Maybe going into New Hampshire, you know, uh, the focus can be moving forward and everybody will kind of forget about what happened in Iowa. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, what was the – did anybody that was part of the caucus that was a Democrat – were any of them saying, I can't believe this, we've worked so hard, and this is screwed up because of the Democratic Party here in Iowa, I feel disenfranchised? Was was anybody actually saying those things on the ground? Uh, last night, everyone was just confused. Uh, and But there was also this, this air of, like, well, of course this happened. I mean, uh, when I was here uh, for the, state, the Iowa State Fair, the, a lot of the Bernie supporters I spoke with said, watch this next caucus. Uh, watch the caucuses. It's going to be very shady because it was shady in 2016, and the same thing's going to happen again. And that's, of course, coming from Bernie supporters who are kind of 
suspicious of the establishment. And um, so when I spoke to Bernie supporters last night, they said they were held that same spirit. Like they were not surprised as surprised as everyone else was, at least. Mm. All right, Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. Sounds good. Do you remember a week? A, new, a week of news like this, Glenn? I mean, you had the Sunday Super Bowl, Monday, Iowa. Then, of course, now that's dragging on. Tuesday, State of the Union, no, Iowa's still going. No, no, Monday, Rush Limbaugh oh, yeah. with, uh, with late-stage lung cancer. Yeah, I mean, that's more of a, an outside development. But, I mean, these are just, like, planned news stories, right? Like, yeah. this whole week. Um, uh, Wednesday, uh, what was the other thing on Wednesday? Oh, the impeachment vote. Yeah. And then Thursday, you have this new special, right? That's right. G- that's coming on. That's going to be huge. And then Sunday are the authors. <laughs> and we're all wondering, what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Uh, it's uh, What is the special on this time? What is the... The, the, the uh, special on is Thursday? This, is this the last this one of the This is the last Ukraine? piece. This is the billion-dollar question. What happened to America's $1.8 billion? You are not going to like the answer. But it is one you must hear and one that I think uh, when Democrats hear, they're going to be disgusted by it. And, you know, we can we can we have to make one jump. Nothing is a nothing is a theory except the very last jump. And you'll understand why we don't have the evidence for that last jump. But we can track that money right to this last jump. And if you can come up, I think you deserve $1.8 billion if you can come up with somewhere else that that money went. (laughs) Um, But uh, we present this on Thursday. It's a don't miss. So tonight at 8 o'clock, we begin our live coverage, uh, starting with me of the State of the Union. Uh, I have a couple of guests for about 15 minutes. Then we throw it to... uh, Uh, to Eric Bowling here in the studios here in Washington, where we're broadcasting now. I'm going into the the house chamber and actually watching it from the inside because you see it from a whole different angle when you're actually in the chamber. Uh, Last last year, I walked out with some real insight. And uh, quite honestly, I'm a little disappointed that the impeachment vote didn't happen before this because... Oh, man, I was waiting for marching bands and whatever. <laughs> oh, I totally think he's mentioning it tonight. It's, it's, do you? Yeah, I do. I mean, he's not going to lose the vote either way. You know, if so he's not going to get removed. Um, I, I mean, unless he—I can't even think of a way he would. But I, if, I'm, if I'm him, I mean, this is his biggest stage. He wants people to know that this is not real. Um, he'll get acquitted for it the next day. He's already been basically cleared of all the the Mueller report mm-hmm. stuff. He's he survived every one of these. I think he wants people to know it. I'll be very surprised if he just like just talks about how good the economy is, right? Like he's gonna he he can't. It's too much. It's been dominating his world for you know how many months. And imagine with all of the conspiracies going around on the left, not the right, the left mm-hmm. that are saying. Look at what they did. They threw that last Des Moines Register poll out. They threw the Des Moines Register right out the window and said, uh, no, there's a problem with that one. We now know that it showed Biden coming in fourth. It showed basically what we think we saw last night. Um, And so they threw that out. Now this is in trouble. Imagine what he could say. Oh, and so we want to. We want to learn from the Democrats on how to protect our election. 
<laughs> I mean, oh, it's gonna be fun. Oh, oh between I, I, he has to make it, at least a joke about how how inept they were with right. Iowa at the very least, and he's totally gonna mention impeachment. I think so. Wednesday we'll be back here with our our view of the impeachment. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the State of the Union. Then we're on to impeachment. The next day is the final piece. Uh, at 8 p.m., please tell your friends it's free, so you don't have to be a member of the Blaze. Tell them to watch it on the Blaze YouTube channel. Uh, you can also get it on our platform, Blaze TV, if you are a subscriber. And you get the, they're doing the code, right, uh, GB20 off? GB20 off. And then on Sunday, the only way to watch the Oscars is with Steven Crowder because they all oh, get dressed right. up. Yeah, they all get dressed up, and it is hysterical. They just have a little box in the corner, and they just riff on everybody, and it is really good. Really funny. Really funny. Do you ever remember a week in the news where the Super Bowl was so swallowed up by the other events? I mean, I, the, you know, it's all the Super Bowl is it's the biggest event in the, in in the world as far as sports goes. I mean, maybe there's some stupid soccer thing you can argue, uh, which is not even a sport. Um, but uh, really, I mean, you know, between Kobe happening before it, mm. gosh, Rush Limbaugh, his announcement, all of these huge events lined up in one week. I don't think I've ever seen, which was a great game. I mean, it's basically swallowed up by everything else going on. We've come to the point where it's multiple massive news cycles per day. Per day we are there. Yeah, the only time I can think of the Super Bowl not being the big story I mean, it used to be for a week. Yeah, all the commercials. Week, yeah. And yeah, um, I think the last time was, it was maybe in the 90s when the Gulf War and, and the Super Bowl was less about the game and more about Whitney Houston, Houston yeah, mm-hmm. singing the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, and I remember right after 9-11, it was the same type of thing where they yeah. really into, had you 2 I believe, do it, uh, right. uh, do a presentation on it. Right. Um, uh, on 9-11 right but after. That's, but That's the only thing. But nothing yeah. like this. That no. was one huge news item. This is nonstop. I mean, you can't keep them straight. Uh, we, we sat with all of our guests today and said, okay, uh, we got to talk about impeachment. We have to talk about Iowa. Yeah. We have to talk about the last thing on anybody's mind was Super Bowl. Mm. And like you said, great game. Even yeah. me, I don't watch. Great game. Yeah. By the way, bringing a Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. To a dot com. To did you get the, did you get they're, the, they're coming in today for you to bring over to the State it. of the Union. And I would be handing those out like as uh, you know, it's a boy baby cigars <laughs> tonight. <laughs> so you just look for people that might be on our side holding a Nancy Pelosi pin. I'm going to see if I can get one set right on her uh, little desk there, where she's sitting next to the <laughs> vice president tonight. And she'll be oh, like, God. "Is that know. a Nancy Pelosi socks pen?" <laughs> Michael, just look over. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. I love this. I love this. This just... Unbelievably self-unaware tweet last night from Jeremy Diamond. He wrote, without evidence, Trump, uh, top Trump campaign officials, including sons Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., are sowing distrust in the American democratic process, suggesting that Democratic Iowa <laughs> caucuses are rigged. 
Wait, have you listened to yourself in the last three and a half years? That's all the Democrats have been saying about Donald Trump. That's no. the entire thing. He's not a legitimate president. He threw the other election. He was working with Ukrainians to throw the last one. He's working with them now to throw the next one. Russians. I believe the Russians was the accusation. Yeah, Russians, well, also, he was trying to get the Ukrainians to throw this one. Now this one's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, it is really a fascinating thing. Maybe we could ask the governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, uh, whether yeah. you know whether that's because that's they'll make the argument on that too. Right. She actually won that election. They do this all the time. And do they not remember what a big deal they made about Donald Trump not respecting the election results yes. if he lost? The second he actually won, it just completely turned. And now they never respect election results when they lose. I, I, how can you wake up in the morning knowing you said part one of that? And come out and say part two. Because you can easily say to yourself, you're not Adam Schiff. Listen to what he said yesterday. Whole range of utterly unacceptable conduct in a president would now be beyond reach. Trump, I'm quoting, Trump could offer Alaska to the Russians in exchange for support on the next election. Or decide to move to Mar-a-Lago permanently and let Jared Kushner run the country. What? Unbelievable. Are you? That was in his closing argument. Unbelievable. It is insane. But we're here in the capital of insanity, Washington, D.C. We'll see you tonight, 8 o'clock.